Oh, thank God you got the aspect ratio. Hey, man. People want to know. <laughs> Everyone and, wants to know. And by people, I mean me. You All know what? Five of our listeners are clamoring <laughs> for it. My mom. Your mom, who left us a really nice review. <laughs> Savannah. Yeah. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Tatiana. Oh, yes. Oh, that was so nice. Her on Twitter. So welcome to Film Schooled, episode three. I don't know. How do we start this? I don't know. How was, how was Father's Day? Did you do anything? I just went over to the parents' house. Saw saw everyone. Ate, ate dinner. Hung out for a little while. How about you? Um, my dad and I went on a bike ride. Oh, which is what we—that's usually our bonding thing—is we go on bike rides. Well, that's nice. Yeah, we went I on saw like your five-mile uh... bike ride. Yeah. Wow. Good lord, it's a lot of miles. Uh, I saw your little because we're friends on uh, Apple Watch. <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it notified me when you finished a workout, and it was a bicycle ride. That was it. Yeah. So I, I knew I knew when you were done. I guess <laughs> I knew when it was over. My my Apple Watch died right after because I hadn't oh. charged it. As soon as well, the bike ride was done, it died. At least you got the full workout like recording. No, yeah, it felt like it, it felt like really fortuitous. I guess. Yeah, it's in the books. The the bike ride, you know. Exactly, especially since like, I haven't get... worn my Apple Watch in like three weeks. I I wear my Apple Watch so consistently. I know you do because I get a message at like every time I wear my Apple Watch, I get at least two notifications a day that you finished a workout. And it feels really like obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's also a way that we could turn these notifications off. No, no. Then our then what's next? We turn our friendship off. <laughs> Can't have that. It's one step. <laughs> one step towards oblivion. One yep. step towards the void of no friends. Exactly. And and I mean, by the end of 2020, I expect to have at least zero, if not negative friends. Only enemies. Well, the... Um, I, said, I, I said that 2019 was... Or 2K19 was um, no new friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now 2020 is no new experiences. <laughs> yeah you just don't get to do anything true yeah but no new friends worked out well i think yeah yeah no i think it was pretty successful in that mm -hmm. uh, endeavor for for both of us yeah for sure yeah but anyway so rear window <laughs> welcome to film schooled episode three i'm one of your hosts tyler robertson you gotta really separate the two words because they the tyler ends in an r and robertson starts with an r so it's really it like tyler roberts tyler robertson like you can't you gotta really <laughs> tyler robertson that's Red that's leather me. yellow <laughs> my mommy ate my m&ms what is that one that was a choir warm-up mommy maybe mashed my m&ms oh yeah <laughs> god choir was a long time ago don't try to don't you know I know quiet warm-ups. Right, If right, there's right. one thing I know, <laughs> quiet warm-ups. I'm Courtney. What's your last name? Hall. Cool. Wait, what, what is your last name? <laughs> We're going to do this was, every episode. It's like, are we going to talk about my last name again? Uh, I, always, I feel so stupid saying my name. Like, just in general, <laughs> even if I'm just saying Courtney, I always am like, I'm Courtney. 
And I know we talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm Courtney Hall. Nice to meet you. Now I thought about it. I don't know if that's how I usually say it. Who's to say? <sighs> I mean, we'll have a we'll have a we we'll have amassed a record of us saying our own names or each other's names by the end of this podcast, which will only end at the apocalypse. I'm sure it'll end at our um, demise, which I assume will be like our collective demise. Right at the same time. At the same time, it, it'll happen at the same time. Right. But there will be fire involved, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Some sort of explosion. We should. Yeah. We should do a supercut though. <laughs> yeah, right. Right before, like we know yeah, it's coming. because we we're gonna coming. know it's coming. Yeah, we're psychic. Well, can't prove it wrong. Hmm. <laughs> not yet. You can't say I'm not. <laughs> anyway, good. <laughs> With that, let's talk about Rear Window, a murder mystery. Can you do a Jimmy Stewart impression? No, probably not. Um, <laughs> I, he does talk weird. He does. So he very much has like his own way of speaking that is like. It sounds like he has marshmallows in his mouth. Yeah. He's like, Aah! yeah. He talks. Oh, the window. Yeah, he talks in the back of his mouth. Oh, you, you see, you see a... the camera, and I look out the window. Is that? <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of a because the the movie I know him best from is uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." So, like, I'm trying to think of a line. But I don't know anything he says in that movie. Yeah. Ah, God, I'm blanking on like actual lines because he talks about the uh, the moon. He's like, "You want me to get that moon for you? You, you want me to lasso around the moon?" <laughs> I don't know what he says. It's, so cheesy. We'll watch that movie. Yeah, you think so? On- sure. At Christmas on at Christmas time. <gasps> that'd be perfect. On Letterboxd, I have it listed as one of my uh, favorite movies. Oh really? Yeah, I really. What like are it. your What are your top four on Letterboxd? <laughs> my top four on Letterboxd are "It's a Wonderful Life," "Scott Pilgrim vs. the World," "Sing Street" from 2016, and "Star Wars: The Last Jedi." <laughs> okay. <laughs> That last one is just to make other people mad. Uh, but also, you you love that movie. I really love that movie. So actually, yeah. actually, I just did a. There's like a. Have you ever heard of the Sorta app? No. Actually, it's not an app. It's a website, but it's Sorta dot app. So Sorta dot app, and it's just got a bunch of little tests that you can take to, um, uh, like rank things. Like it just, it's like a little test you take and it says, would you rather watch this movie or this movie, this movie or this movie? Like you can do the Harry Potter movies and stuff like that. Marvel movies. Um, so I did the Star Wars ones recently and it, I, Last Jedi was at the top. <laughs> what are your letterbox top four? Um, Psycho. Ooh. Uh, Bridesmaids. Yes. I, Tanya. Heck yeah. And The Social Network. Ah, yes. <laughs> Sorry, coming from a mile away. I was talking to my aunt this past week about the social network. I just went on a huge tangent for like a half hour about how much I loved it and why it's such a great movie. And she was just like, yeah, I don't know if I've seen it. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. Like, I just freaked out about it. Yeah. Which Maybe. I do like once a week, probably. <laughs> um. My while I was over for Father's Day, um, 
it was like after dinner and we pretty late. So like my, my, and my dad goes to bed pretty early. Um, so he's like sitting on the couch, like leaned over kind of, and my mom got a call from my sister. So she put her on speaker and it ended up just being a conversation between me and her about like, uh, really good kids shows (laughs) like Avatar. And it lasted probably a half hour of just me and Hannah talking and dad and mom just in the room, just listening. And dad fell asleep. That feels accurate. Yeah. It was was pretty funny. Also, my, like, bio on Letterboxd is I could buy your Letterboxd and turn it into my ping pong room, which is... (laughs) Which is a a line from um, the social network. Nice. Actually, it's just a line Aaron Sorkin uses all the time. Like, I could buy your whatever and turn it into my ping pong room. That that shows up in multiple Sorkin movies? Yeah, I th- I, well, I think it's in, like, West Wing and, like, Studio oh, okay. 60 and stuff. He, he just uses gotcha. that phrase a lot. <laughs> That's pretty good. So we're here, Courtney, to talk about Rear Window. Yep. An Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Uh, you took in college a class solely dedicated to the films and works of Alfred Hitchcock. I did. Tell me, firstly, about that class, because it just sounds fascinating. Um, but also, why you chose Rear Window specifically for this week? Um, I okay, I loved Hitchcock. I like I I loved Hitchcock for a while. Big fan. I took the class because I had to. And I mean, I wanted to take it, but also like you were required to take a movie makers class. So like our college did like a movie maker every two years. And when I was able to take a class, it was Hitchcock. So I just kind of looked out. Nice. But it was with this guest lecturer. And I can't remember his name. I should have. I have one of his books, but he was like a Hitchcock expert, like scholar. He'd written two books on him. One that was just on the shower scene in Psycho. Like, a whole, like, 300-page book just on that scene. Wow. And that class was really um, hard because that teacher was really specific. And it was also, it was fun because I liked the people in it. And then there were some, like, really annoying people who would always, like, raise their hands and say, like, the dumbest, like, simplest (laughs) form of symbolism they could find and then, like, expected an applause. But, (laughs) um... Watching this movie, I remembered watching it in that class and like all the people, like what everyone said that annoyed me. And I was like, oh, it's all it's all flooding back. But <laughs> I I picked this movie because I wanted to do a Hitchcock movie and I didn't want to do Psycho because I wanted to save that for like Halloween. Nice. Um, and I didn't want to do Vertigo because I just wanted to save that because that movie's like stellar. I don't know. I don't want to like play our cards too early. <laughs> No, that's a good idea. If that makes sense. And um, I do, watching this, I hadn't seen it in a while. And watching it, I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong to pick this movie. (laughs) Well, Rotten Tomatoes wouldn't say so. Rotten Tomatoes score of 99%. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot about it that's technically really cool and really impressive. And I think any Hitchcock movie you watch is directed so meticulously and so beautifully that it's worth it and that it's like... It's, you know, important. Important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this movie, like, it's very slow moving. And I found myself getting so annoyed with the Jimmy Stewart character. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart character. <laughs> yeah. Do you know 
Do you know offhand who who wrote Rear Window? Was it Hitchcock? Like, did he write and direct? No, he almost never wrote um, the scripts. He it's, it was almost always based off of a book that he would have one of his writers Adapt. write for him. Yeah, nice. so it was John Mitchell Hayes. Okay, um, based on the short on a short story by Cornell Woolrich. It definitely feels like based on a short story kind of thing. Almost all of his stuff was, and so Hitchcock, like he would he would read these books short stories whatever like them give them to his writers and then he would adjust them so it's almost like he wrote it but he didn't <laughs> he's one of those like he i mean and i would just like to preface all of this by saying like i think alfred hitchcock's like a really bad guy and um <laughs> he's like he's a really impressive director and i i really like his movies but if you look deep into anything he's done he's like, shit. <laughs> yeah as as with a lot of and we'll get into it because it's it's a lot a lot of it um goes back to like his obsession with grace kelly Ah. so we'll get into that interesting um so yeah this one rear window this hitchcock film came out in september of 1954 i don't know when that is kind of in his career is that do you know if that's early on or um it's it's about middle i think he's i think his first movies were probably in the late 20s and 30s and then he his last movies were was I can't remember what his last movie was, but I can find out. It had a budget of well, an estimated budget. I get I don't know how you get estimated budgets. Aren't you supposed to report these kind of things? But uh, estimated budget of a million dollars, um, and a worldwide gross earning of thirty-seven million dollars. So they made a good profit on it. So this is okay. So this is before, um, you know, Psycho was nineteen sixty. Okay. And Vertigo was 1958. And those are probably his two, in my opinion, best films. Yeah. Um, so this is before that. And The Birds is 63. So it's kind of before most of his well-known stuff. This is after he was working with David Oselznick, who was a producer who Hitchcock essentially just like hated. They didn't get along. <laughs> um, Selznick was really controlling and... A lot of Hitchcock's earlier films were with Selznick. So this is when he's on his own, but kind of before his his prime, I would say. Okay. Yeah, it definitely, because I've seen a couple Hitchcock movies just because of my schooling. Um, and it definitely felt like if I had to guess, because I didn't know, obviously, but if I had to guess, I would say this is earlier on in, in his career because it felt like it didn't feel like all the pieces that make a Hitchcock film were necessarily there. You know what I mean? Just a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, well, cause it's rated PG. Yeah. That is very weird. <laughs> right. And it definitely feels PG. There's not a lot of action or you're not seeing any violence really. Nope. Everything happens when like where you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like a, like a gimmick of the film is there's a lot, there's a lot of darkness. Yeah. And, like, trying to be sneaky in the darkness kind of stuff going on right right yeah so i'm looking at because i was making um some graphics for for instagram and whatnot and so i was looking up like posters and different images of uh rear window and this poster here it says see it if you're if your nerves can stand it after psycho which made me think it came out after psycho isn't that weird that is weird i'll send you the poster i'll send you a 
yeah. picture of this well, poster. Well, Psycho's definitely 1960. Yeah. So that could have been... Maybe a re-release of the film? Yeah, a re-release or when it was released on like VHS or something. Oh, well, it does say 1962 for the poster. Yeah, it must have been a re-release. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And to be fair, Psycho is like legitimately scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like that that movie holds up. Yeah. Incredibly well. And I, I still think that movie... And I've seen it probably six or seven times. Yeah. And I know where the jump scares are every time they get me. <laughs> there were a f- I also I can't handle horror movies and I jump like in an <laughs> so Um There were a few moments that felt like in, in Psycho for me that felt dated in the sense that like I didn't find them scary. But there I mean, the shower scene is genuinely pretty terrifying and uh the some of the stuff towards the end is like okay, alright, that is horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but we're not talking about. No, no, Psycho. no. You're, you're, you're totally right. We're talking about Rear Window. <laughs> Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Um, hour and fifty-two minutes long. Pretty, pretty tight. Um, I mean, horror horror movies are generally short. This is more of a thriller. Yeah. Um. So it it, I'd say it kind of drags on a little bit. I think it does too. But I am also a person that like. I don't like when a movie is over two hours. Oh, really? And and I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, most movies are. All, like, almost all movies now are, are over two hours. Mm-hmm. And it it pisses me off in such a weird way. Like, it just makes me super annoyed. And, and I like to go to the theater. And whenever it's over two hours, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. And then Endgame, Avengers Endgame is three hours and two minutes, I think. Haven't seen it. Also, that is unnecessary. <laughs> A lot of ha- I don't think, but so I know you haven't seen it, but Avengers Endgame, I would say is for, for being three hours long, it is incredibly well paced. They Unnecessary. <laughs> uh, but I was so, I've never been angrier than sitting through the Irish. <laughs> I think that's very fair. I hated that movie so much. I wanted to, <laughs> I've never been more upset. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I feel you there. Yeah, I I think a lot of, I think a lot of movies these days could could be cut down for sure. And I feel like that's a common uh I think that's a common opinion, honestly. Yeah. I I was just going to say the script for The Irishman is shorter than the script for Marriage Story. Jeez. What's the runtime? And only on? one of them is three and a half hours. <laughs> Which one is or how long is Marriage Story? Do you know? Probably around two something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but they actually are talking in Marriage Story. Right, right. The Irishman, it's just weird tracking shots of a car driving down a street, like an overhead shot of a car. And I was like, what are we doing here? This is pointless. <laughs> we get it. They're driving. Sure. Um. So, yeah, I think I think at hour 52 minutes, it 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 drags on, especially tor- like in the middle. But for all you all you film nerds out there. The aspect ratio is 1.37 to 1. The same as Chicago. Oh, Look at that. Thank God. You know, we're trying to learn about history here. And it might be worthwhile to talk about the aspect ratios that people use. You know? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. So, okay. So the the cool thing, are we getting into the plot or no? Because I have some cool facts. Oh, get into them. Get Get into those cool okay. facts. So the really cool fact, and one of the reasons I wanted to watch this, is because it is all shot 
on a sound stage. Yes. Where the where like Jimmy Stewart's apartment is is the like is like ground level. Mm-hmm. And so everything below wow, they... is beneath the soundstage. So they built it downward? Yes. That's insane. Because because they had like a roof and they couldn't go. You can't go higher, so you gotta go. You can't go higher, so you gotta go lower. Wow. And so in that and then all of those um all of the apartments um across from mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart's are practical. Yeah. So meaning they're like full apartments essentially. And um I the one thing I read said they all had electricity and running water. Running water? Yeah, and so because they were just there all day. And so there were some crazy things like the woman who played Miss Torso um just stayed in her apartment like throughout pretty much throughout the whole shoot. Like I don't think she slept there. Right, but she, like during the day but she, she was would just, always like, just like hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that they could get shots of her like so if they randomly saw her apartment, she just looked it looked lived in cuz she was just like doing shit in there. Um, and, that, and that's like a, that is a crazy way to make a movie. Yeah, but really cool. Like, like, I think really cool. I think my favorite part, like, I don't, I don't know that I liked this movie as a whole, necessarily, right? But fair. I really loved the production of it. And like, because it's immediately recognizable that like, this is a soundstage and not a real city. There's no like, not CG, but there's no like, trickery going on it's just like we're in a soundstage and we're we're doing it like a like a production like a i don't know like a live production almost and right i thought that was really impressive just just to go through all that work to to make this small but well because it's like a really small because we're only we're we're contained to this area the entire movie yeah it's like a bottled story It's um, really neat, but I think that's a thing you can only do if you are Alfred Hitchcock in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe. like there's no director now; they're really gonna let do this probably. Yeah. Um, but Hitchcock, at, like, was it his prime necessarily? Like before this, he had done, you know, Strangers on a Train, Dial M for Murder, um, Shadow of a Doubt, Saboteur, Rebecca, which won the Oscar, hmm. Thirty Nine Steps. So he is. A he's established incredibly yeah he's an incredibly established and famous director in a time where directors were really well known mm-hmm. um it's not like now we're like most people don't know who's directing yeah and and even even the people who follow movies like us we're, we're we don't know every director out there we know a few of the right the ones who are involved not like famous right right for sure right like no one know who so who greta gerwig is but we do well, she's an actress too. Well, that's true. But she was she really famous as an actress? I don't. I don't. I didn't hear about her until Lady Bird, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't. You didn't see Frances Ha? No, I did not. I've heard of it, but that's great. Yeah. Or she was in. I was in. She was in. Um, no strings attached. That like, there were like two movies that came out around the same time. That were- and it was No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits, mm-hmm. which were like the same movie with different actors. Yep. And she was in the better version of it, I think, which was No Strings same. Attached with Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman. And she plays one of the friends. Huh. It's like her, Mindy Kaling, and Guy Branham. And they're really funny. Yeah, I mean, that's like those movies or that movie came out when I wasn't paying attention mm, to, okay. to actors, to like 
directors, anything like that. So like I knew who just Ashton so, just Kutcher. Just so everyone knows, there was like up, in, up until like what sophomore year of college. Yeah, probably. You had no no knowledge of pop culture. Yeah, really, really none. It was really you and Nathan Stevens who shut up, who brought Again. brought me into the fold. <laughs> Have we already shouted out Nathan? You did. Heck yeah. I don't know him. Love that boy. I know you guys never hung out, and I'm so mad. Because you both love movies so friends. much. Yeah. Yeah. You guys would talk for days. Well, now we never yeah. will. Actually, he lives in LA and you're moving to LA. So you guys can be friends without oh, me. Oh, maybe we'll come. <laughs> oh, what a treat. Yeah. I do. I did talk about wanting to replace you on this. Yeah. Yeah. Not wanting to replace you. That's not what I mean. <laughs> like, we talk about being replaced. Yeah. Um, That happens to me a lot. I have a lot of friends. <laughs> so, like, uh, like you know, remember Gabe from Yep School. Gabe is yeah. So Gabe, I play video games with, right? Well, I also play video games with my high school friends, uh, namely Dominic. And now Dom and Gabe are friends without me. <laughs> they like they like text. They like play games together. That would make me really upset. Yeah, it's a it's a hit to the ego for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get really off track this episode because neither of us were really into this movie. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. Um, but so getting back on track, I guess we can just go start, start, start running through oh, that. The other, the other fun, fun thing I wanted to say was the, all of the sound and music in this film was diegetic. <sighs> well, oh yeah. So that piano player yeah. was literally playing the score right. as they were filming and, and yeah diegetic means that it was oh yeah good call it is yeah it is um <laughs> being played from some sort of device in the world of the movie so the characters can hear yes. it non-diegetic non diegetic sound is when there's like a needle drop and like a pop song plays or something yeah. or like a score right this was all diegetic so it all came from the other apartments which is kind of cool that is that's pretty awesome the like stuff like that about this movie is really cool and it's like like cool world building. Yeah. I think like I said I think it's the production. Like the the effort that went into the making of it is what makes it really cool. Right. And that lamp, that lamp that they have. <laughs> <laughs> that massive lamp. Yeah, and it's like hanging. Also also why Jimmy Stewart is like, don't, don't turn it, turn it on, but they might see. And it's like if they see you, they like they'll see yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like, that drove me crazy. He was like, you can't turn it on. It's like, she could. It's fine. If, yeah, like... Like, they could probably see you now right. because you're up against the window with a massive, like, telescope. Yeah. Um, uh, and he can see all of them. So how... how... Right, so how... <laughs> Jimmy Stewart is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I also wrote down, I'm like... I looked it up. He's 46 in this movie, and I'm supposed to think he's some, like, young bachelor... No, because he says, I think you're supposed to think he's 40. Oh, okay. Which which is inherently, like, believable. Right, and, and makes they sense mention, to, like... they mention that in the beginning, that he's, like, they're like, well, you're 40 now, you need to oh, okay. stop getting married. And he has such a hatred for marriage in this movie yeah. that is never explained and never really, like, resolved. Yeah. He's, there's just so many, like, jabs at marriage, and I wrote most of them down, and... Like the first scenes, I, I mean, we can get into the plot, but it's so um, James Jimmy Stewart plays Jeff, this um, mm -hmm. 
a photographer for New York Magazine who, um, he's like a, he takes like, like action shots and he talks about like things going on in the world. I need to go to, yeah, he's like, I need to go to Pakistan and take pictures there Mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, he has a broken leg and is in a wheelchair. Is it explained how he got it? No. But it's assumed that he got it while on some, you know, project. Right, right. Overseas trying to take pictures of something and breaks his leg. And it is a it is a big cast. It is like it goes all the way up his leg and into like his hip. Like it The cast goes all the way around his waist. Yeah. I was Which I'm like ha- So it's the fifties. It's not the twenties anymore. They do have medicine. They have medicine <laughs> at this point. You can't prove that. I well, you're right. My grandma was alive, so now we can prove it because we can talk to her. Okay, we can ask her. But, like, there's so much, like, I just kept thinking, like, like, why why is this cast covering his crotch? And Maybe it's just because, like, so it's an older cast. Like, we have have better cast technology nowadays, maybe. But does does he not have access to, to, to there? To there? I don't know. It's nether regions. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. I don't know. Because that's all I was thinking was like maybe if he could have been like jerking off or something, he wouldn't be like stalking his neighbors so much. Yeah. Or maybe if he could like pee on his own, he wouldn't be so angry about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, as if Grace Kelly is helping him. Yeah, so let's let's talk about Grace Kelly too, because uh, she's like a lot younger than him. I guess is she like in reality? I think so. That's pretty common for Hitchcock movies. There's like a hit, like Hitchcock blondes. Ugh. Gross. I mean, she's gorgeous though. I, I she is she is stunning. Yeah. Like I wrote the first um, shot of her. It looks like the like the Little Mermaid shot like thing where she's like up on uh. the rocks. <laughs> Like there's like a weird like she like leans yeah. up, and and also like the the like camera speed of that like it it seems like also in slow motion and it's really weird but beautiful yeah, yeah. and and there are a few times where like the like the speed looks oh weird. yeah especially at the end with some of the at the end the yeah, action the, shots. at the end when people are running out I was like what is happening <laughs> it was so, some of the we'll get to it uh but with uh her outfits too. Like her, f- stunning. Yeah, because I mean, she's like in fashion somehow. She's not a. Yeah, I don't know. I I think she's a socialite. Okay, yeah, because she said she's like, she just got back from Paris and she's wearing this stuff, but I think she's like, she's like a, she's like an influencer. Yeah, for, she's in the fifties, old timey influencer. Yeah. yeah, like people just give her this stuff to wear. Um, right, because she's gorgeous. Um. So yeah, he's he's broken uh and bored. He broke his leg. Yeah, and he it starts with him like on the phone with his editor, I'm assuming mm-hmm. of the ma- magazine. Yeah. Um being like there's this really cool shot, but you can't go do it because your leg's broken. Right. And he's the one his editor's the one that makes a crack of like, well, if you were married like you're 40, you should get married, and he's just like, oh, yeah, which is also so someone can nag me. Really weird thing for a boss to talk to you about. 
Probably, yeah. Maybe not in the 50s. I don't know. Things were weird. Um. They also talk about later in the, uh, like, with her, with uh, Grace Kelly, Grace Kelly's character staying over for the night. Like, they, they don't want to tell the landlord. That's such a huge deal. Yeah. That's such, he, oh my god, we'll get into that. <laughs> that was such a, he, I was like, that was like the, the subplot of the entire right. movie. Was just like, that was such a big deal. But, so, he is living in this apartment building, and across his courtyard, he can see into the windows of everyone else's apartments. Mm -hmm. And so, he's looking at, there's like, this sculptor, um, Miss Torso, who's a dancer, uh, mm -hmm. Miss Lonely Heart, who's this just sad woman. That broke my um, heart. I, like I her, have thoughts. Yeah. Her plot is heartbreaking. It truly is, and they don't care. Yeah. Um, they're not concerned with her. <laughs> and then there's this couple, this husband and wife, where the wife is in bed, and the husband has to, like, bring her breakfast and do all this stuff, mm -hmm. and she kind of is just, like, making fun of him the whole time. Yeah. But what's interesting is because they're across the courtyard, we don't actually hear what they're saying. Right. We Yeah, we don't hear what anyone's saying really ever. Um, there are a few. Right, and there's a couple who keep sleeping on their fire escape. Yeah. And, and oh, and the just married couple as well, off to the left. Oh, yes. So, is that all of them? Oh, there's there's the lady who lives next door to the to the um Miss Lonely Heart, the older lady, right? That's a sculptor. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Yeah. Oh, and then there's the pianist. Pianist to his right. Like right it's it's a weird studio. It looks cool. But it's like a weird studio apartment that's like most like two of the walls are like all glass yeah and that's where his like piano room is it's cool looking but not very uh private <laughs> right and in in that uh when we like first look into the piano player's mm -hmm. apartment there's someone fixing a clock and that's hitchcock oh that's fun so yeah alfred hitchcock famously does a cameo in every one of his films nice and so this one's probably like, I don't know, 20 minutes in. Yeah. He's fixing a clock in the piano player's part. I would do that too. I would. Put yourself in every Yeah, if I was a director, I'd be like, I'm going to, I'm going to have like a little, little character just like pop in, do something and pop out. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be fun. Me too. <laughs> just wave to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I feel like there's always, there's like scenes in movies where they're like, they like really linger on an extra or like, <laughs> or, or do give some, give some like a random like character, like a full exit. Yeah. And you're like, why? And then you look at it and you're like, oh, it was the director. Yeah. Who's that guy? <laughs> or you're like, oh, it was the screener. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's looking at all these people. Um, and then his nurse. Yes. Comes to see him. Yeah. Who is our, you know, friend of the show at this point. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the actress who plays the the nurse is Thelma Riddle. Rit I always get her name wrong. Ritter. Ritter. Thelma Ritter, um, who we saw in um, All About Eve. She played Birdie. Uh, yeah, essentially playing the same role. Yeah, pretty much a little a little firecracker. <laughs> yeah, just a, just like a <laughs> wise cracking woman, like spitting truth. Yeah, but she's his nurse, but she also is like. 
we were talking about this before. It, she like massages massages him. Like that's all we ever see. Yeah. Her doing I mean, for I'm him sure is like massaging his back. Like, I mean, my my parents run a home care, uh, like agency. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that nurses are like that's part of their job, but it's all we see Thelma do. Like it's the only treatment she gives. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, it's. I don't even I don't think we see him, her pass meds to him. No, I don't think we see yeah. that either. It's odd. It's very odd, but whatever. But she says something like, like, that girl, you should marry her, essentially. Yep. And she's talking about Grace Kelly. Um, also, I wanted to say about the opening, it's like, it's all these really interesting, like, tracking shots and zooms into the courtyard. Mm-hmm. And it's all from Jimmy Stewart's perspective. Yeah. So we're getting, so we're seeing like what he would be seeing through his window, yeah, which is cool. I thought the opening was really good. Yeah, and there's never a shot that goes in, like goes into his apartment from outside. Like all of the shots go out. Mm-hmm. There are there are a couple shots, and I think uh, Hitchcock actually breaks the 180 rule a couple times. <laughs> Probably because it's a it's a really hard. Like, what they're trying to do, it, it'd be really hard not to break the 180 rule. Like, with what they're doing, with, like, the different perspectives from him, but then also wanting to get his, like, a shot of Jon Stewart, you know? So, like... Jimmy Stewart. Who's Jon Stewart? Jon Stewart's a superhero, sorry. Jon Stewart's a Green Lantern. No, he's... No, he's the... He's the... the he used to host the Daily Show. Oh, yeah. Wait, who's the Green Lantern? You do you really think I know that? Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> in what world would I know who the Green Lantern is? He's one of the Green. There's like so many Green Lanterns. Oh boy. Oh, it's John Stewart. Yeah, it, it, it is John Stewart. So I was kind of right. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 cool how they establish all these different because there's like little stories that happen with each of these neighbors throughout the. I mean some more than others but we do get like little 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 arcs for each of these these people right and uh this is how they establish that right so grace kelly comes she's wearing this beautiful dress she is so stunning (laughs) well i guess we'll get into it like so alfred hitchcock was obsessed with grace kelly okay like obsessed and was so angry when she decided to quit acting um, because he originally wanted her to be in The Birds. Okay. Um, and she had quit acting. And so he, like, he wrote her a letter being like, please just come back and do this movie. And she considered it. Like, she actually considered it. And this is after she was, like, Princess of Monaco. Um, and then ultimately declined. But her, she, um, Hitchcock and his wife had, like, a good relationship with her. And he just, like, loved her. And then so after... She was gone. There are a lot of stories about him treating his actresses really poorly. Oh, after um, that? After that, yeah. Oh. Um, probably before, too, but I, there's, like, no real evidence that he did that with Grace Kelly because he, you know, loved her. So it was more um, like, so it wasn't because he had a, a wife and it wasn't, like, a creepy kind of thing with Grace Kelly? It was more like... No, I'm sure it was creepy. Oh, yeah. Probably. I'm sure it was creepy, but it wasn't, like, overtly mm-hmm. creepy to my knowledge. But so then... Tippy Hedren, who ended up doing the birds, he was just so abusive oh, to her. And um, 
he like kissed her on the mouth one day and she was like what the fuck and there's the end scene in the birds where all of the birds like attack her and tippy hedrick was actually in that attic with live birds and being like um like at, like fake birds being thrown at her and so a lot of that reaction is real because she was freaking Good out Lord. and then she she basically was like i'm never gonna work with you again and he was like go for it i'll make sure no one ever hires you oh my um which he did and then she ended up working with him again and made marnie um and those are kind of her only two things she really did wow. but city hedron is dakota johnson's grandmother oh It's very interesting. That's always crazy hearing about, like, oh, this person is this person's parent or grandparent. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, it's easy to figure out when they have the same last name, but some when they don't, it's like, whoa. Right. Well, Tippy Hedren's daughter is Melanie Griffin, and then her daughter is Dakota Johnson. So the whole family is actors. Right. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Oh, we're a window. <laughs> So, I mean, basically not a lot happens. They just, she, like, Lisa, who's Grace Kelly, comes and is trying to, is trying way too hard for this guy who sucks. Yeah. And she's, like, they're, they're like, dating, but he won't commit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's being too nice to she's him. She's being so um, nice. Like, she is... She's like making his him food and like trying to take care of him, and he is just ignoring her. Oh yeah, he does not give a shit. She pours him wine, he downs it <laughs> in like a second. And I wrote, uh, "He really downed that wine, man." After my own, <laughs> she she is sitting on his lap at one point, and he's just staring out the window. <laughs> yeah, he's like mm, nothing going on in here. Yeah. It's like you asshole. <laughs> um, and then they. They ultimately start talking about, like, um, marriage, and she basically is like, I, I want to, like, when you go on your next whatever, I would go with you. And he's like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. She, he essentially and is she's like, like, well, why don't you stay here? Yeah. He's like, he is essentially like, you're not built for this kind of thing <laughs> at one point. Yeah. He's really mean. Just another man telling a woman what she can and can't do. She, she, I found him so disgusting in this movie. She does admit though when he's like, "Are you gonna walk through the 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 bush or whatever with with your heels?" And she's like, "Nah, you're right." Well, she's also like, "Well, then why don't you just like move back to New York?" Right. And he's like, "Our cat." <laughs> that was a good impression. Thanks. He's just like he's like, well, I'm I'm nothing if I'm not, you know, risking my life and pissing off everyone who loves me. Mm -hmm. And then she gets really mad at him and she leaves. She like storms out. Yeah. She should have stayed and away. And he goes Well yeah, and she well Yeah, she should have. Mm -hmm. But she says she says goodbye and he's like, You mean goodnight? She says, I said what I meant. <laughs> That's and then a good he line. Goes, when will I see you again? Yeah, it is. And then she immediately backs out and goes probably tomorrow night. <laughs> rip uh and then she does come back and uh she's i feel like towards the like as things start to develop um she uses what's going on in this with with the whole what what, what we'll get to in the plot as like a way to prove to him 
that she she is ready to go out there if if he wants her you know to come with him on like the next trip or whatever right she does some pretty brave things (laughs) towards yeah there's also like this whole weird and we kind of talked about it earlier like like theme of like uh, like marriage being bad and him being afraid to get married and him seeing like the newlyweds be happy and then watching them decline over the course of the movie mm-hmm. and him um and i i think he doesn't want to be like bored mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to be like waiting on a woman hand and foot or be nagged yeah which, which is the other option yeah which is the other the guy right. across the way and so she sort of by the end proves to him that she's not going to do all of those yeah. things. Because she rules. Right. And because, you know, <laughs> I don't know, fuck him. I like... And because that's not necessarily what marriage is. It's like, or you could just like, <laughs> like love someone. Yeah, right. And get over it. <laughs> um, uh, He's also not that attractive. Oh, I think he's like, good looking. On a scale from one to gear, what would you say? <laughs> I don't I I don't know. I don't know who can compete with Gear. So I feel like No one. Like I would take Richard Gear over all of the Hemsworths worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well I feel like with the with the with the list that we have of of these movies that we're gonna be watching in the in the future, I think there's gonna be a mm-hmm. lot of silver foxes. I have a feeling. Yeah, I, think that's I, gonna be wanna, a theme. I I also want to like amend what I said and, and just be, Richard Gere specifically in Chicago. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he did a movie recently. Look, he looked real creepy. Hmm. And I'm not here for that. Hmm. Was it a choice though? Was he trying to look creepy? I don't know. I'm not like keeping up with Gear that yeah. much. That could be a segment. Keeping up with. Keeping up. I just read. What, yeah, just see what, what Richard he, Gere is doing. Yeah, see what he's doing these days. <laughs> Um, but so the main conceit after we established like the the relationship between, uh, him and, uh, Lisa and him and Thelma Ritter's character, um, Stella, Stella, yeah. And, uh, and then all the neighbors, we then come upon like, as he's watching these people live out their lives, um, he notices some weird stuff going on right across the way, like across, like directly across from him, and I think on the same floor as him, um, or maybe like just one below, but right. pretty much a direct shot so, over. Yeah, the married couple that like she was in bed, mm-hmm. and the husband is like waiting on her. Mm-hmm. I guess like he keeps making. Um, Jeff keeps making comments like, like, oh, you'll be nagged. Like, like, look at that woman. She nags her husband all day and all mm-hmm. night. So he is watching them, and they get into a fight, and then they go into, like, a hallway where there are no windows, and then she doesn't come back. And he leaves the apartment in the middle of the night. Yep. And from there, just a flurry of suspicious activities mm-hmm. from that apartment. There's one point where he's like washing a machete and a saw. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, okay, so he like leaves the apartment. He comes back. He leaves the apartment. He comes back. We never really see the wife again. Jimmy Stewart falls asleep for a bit and he wakes up and like shit's still going down. And so he is convinced 
that the husband killed the wife. Mm-hmm. And but then we see him like cleaning a machete. He has a saw, and then he like ties up this trunk with a bunch of rope. Yeah, which is and never then when a he's good sign. Talking to no, no, and then when he's he's like telling people about it, and I think he's telling. Um, Does he tell Stella first? <clears throat> he tells Stella first, and then Lisa, and they all are like, "You're crazy! Please stop like stalking these people." And, um, they're kind of right. I mean, he gets a little obsessive with not just, right. not even just the, uh, the murder guy. Like he gets obsessed with everyone. He gets obsessive. Well, and also like, which is, which is essentially like the theme of the movie, which I guess we'll get into at the end. Mm-hmm. But, um, Stella says, oh, Stella says something to him in the first scene she's in, which is, um, people ought to stop looking out of their own houses and looking in for a change, which is the thesis statement of the whole thing. Like, stop looking out at people and, like, deal with your own problems. Yeah, live your life. Mm-hmm. But, oh, but he tells, like, I think, so he calls, like, his friend who's a detective. Mm-hmm. And this guy is so aggressively, like, dismissive. Yeah. And one of the things he says is, like, He's like, do you have a saw, a knife, and rope? And Jimmy Stewart's like, of course I do. He's like, well, was that, so it's not weird. <laughs> yeah, which and is. I was like, <laughs> I was like, it is weird. He has a machete. Yeah. And and it's not like, I don't, even if I had a saw, a knife, and a rope, I, I'm not getting them out, like, casually, all at the same time. Those have different purposes. Exactly. <laughs> For different projects. Exactly. These are all very Ugh. suspicious things. But so, yeah, I mean, I feel like most of the middle of the movie is just Jimmy Stewart just trying to convince not only the detective, but Stella and Lisa that this is real. Right. Well, and the one thing I wrote in my notes was uh, there was one thing he said that I thought like so crazy. Oh, my God. Can I not find it now? Oh, it, I said, ladies, if a man ever says, but just how would you even begin to cut up a human body? You run in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> he says that to Grace Kelly. And she she kind of gets into it pretty quickly. Yeah, Grace is the first to be convinced. because Well, I feel like she's there the most. And uh, mm-hmm. she actually witnesses a lot of the creepy stuff going on. And it might just be that she also wants to agree with him. So that she, so that he likes her, right? Because <laughs> she's trying Stupid. so hard. Ugh. But there's like, so there's like creepy things that keep happening. I feel like we can go kind of quickly through this middle because, like, I feel like not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. But um, there's like a dog that keeps sniffing right. in the flower bed where the guy, like the husband, is always like planting. Mm-hmm. Um. Someone takes the trunk away. Mm-hmm. Someone else. Yeah. He Someone like... else comes and takes it away. And the detective, like, goes over there and realizes it's there. Uh, Lars and Anna Thorwald are the name of the couple who live in that apartment. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Thorwald, basically, they say that she, that the, that the wife went to Grand Central Station and left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, like, finds evidence that she bought a ticket and, like, Peaced out. Right. 
Um, and was it to visit family? What? Yeah, was, I think it was. Yeah, I think he had an ex like Mr. Thorwald had an explanation for that as well. Well, she she sends a postcard that's like got 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 here. Right. Everything's fine. Right. And so the detective's like, "You're nuts. Everything's fine. Please yeah. stop doing this." <laughs> but he does not, and he he eventually switches. So um, throughout the movie, he goes from just looking out his window to using binoculars to look closely at people creepily and then Mm -hmm. he eventually once he starts being suspicious he gets out his camera and telephoto lens so he can actually like document yeah which never really comes up like does he ever take a picture no i don't think we ever see oh well he takes a he takes a picture um of the flowers right yeah because he shows the two different pictures and you realize that like some of the flowers have been replanted so that's why they all get convinced that something's buried under the flower bed. Yeah. Which that was a cool scene with the um so like the camera is looking at the flowers and then they put the little negative or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, What changed? And it's like the color of the flowers. Right. Um oh, I feel like nothing really happens. I like there's like a scene where, where Lisa's like there's no way a woman would leave her purse behind because women love purses and everyone has a like <laughs> And he's like, you're right. And then the detective comes and is such an asshole to Yeah, because he sees um, her overnight bag. Yeah, she brings... Okay, so she brings a bag to stay... This is such a huge deal. I know. She brings a bag to stay overnight. He's like, well, I only have one bed. And she's like... Yeah, dog. She's like, I know. (laughs) She's like, "Mm mm-hmm, I get it. And then... She, like, has all of her overnight stuff, and he's like, well, did you ask your my landlord if you could stay over? And I guess it's just, like, a function of the 60s is you couldn't, like, just have a random... Person over, yeah. Lady Because boys and girls, you. they gotta stay apart. Leave room for Jesus. Right, well, and that's part of the, like, like haze code stuff, where, like, men and women can't be seen in the same bed together, and that was mm-hmm. the same thing going on in All About Eve. Um, but... Yeah, that was such a big deal, and then the detective comes over and sees the overnight bag, and it's just such a dick to yeah, Grace Kelly about so it. Um, so because she's in the kitchen making drinks, and then uh, she asks she asks the detective if he wants one. He's like, nah. Um, and then he even after this this like final meeting with the detective he's still not convinced like he's not he's not convinced until that phone call right like the detective is is really not convinced until the very end when things are like popping off right well but before they call the detective over is is when the dog dies oh yeah right so like they hear a scream yeah in the courtyard this scene was so unnecessarily dramatic (laughs) but i also like get it yeah um so there's this, like, dog that, like, we talked about earlier was um, kept digging in the flower beds is <laughs> murdered. Yeah. Snapped in the courtyard. its neck. Snapped the dog's neck, and the owner is screaming and going, like, From the second floor. Because yeah, she, like, just... lets her dog down on a pulley system. It's pretty great. It's pretty cute. Yes, it was cute. Um, Screaming at, at this, like, Corpse. screaming at all her neighbors. Yeah, and oh, she yeah. has this. She she's has like this accusing like, monologue. All yeah, where she's like, she's like, neighbors should like love each other. Essentially, like neighbors should know each other. Neighbors should care. Okay, neighbors 
like each other, speak to each other, care if one if one of us lives or dies. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think that's true. I, like, <laughs> not anymore. I lived in Chicago for a bit. I didn't, and I lived in the same apartment building. I didn't know any of my neighbors. <laughs> yeah. All I knew about him is they had a drum set, and I wanted to kill him. <laughs> so, it all comes back to murder. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so. Everyone, everyone comes out to like look at this scene, except for Thorwald. Mm-hmm. Well, we know is it in his apartment, but his lights are like off. His lights are off. We can see his cigarette burning or his cigar burning, so yeah. we know he's in there, which I thought was a pretty cool, yeah, visual. Mm-hmm. But so then they call the detective over, and he's like, "So what? <laughs> A dog's neck was snapped. Who cares? Something yeah. dramatic." Yeah, and then this is where. Grace Kelly uh, just uh, is the bravest one in the film. She she goes and she's like, well, I'm going to find... Well, her and uh, Stella, they're, they're both they're like They're the heroes gung-ho. of the film, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because he can't. <laughs> so they're... <laughs> like, I don't think he would anyway. Yeah, probably not. But because uh, he just takes pictures from far away. But not to right. say that that's not important, but you know what I mean. Um, so she uh grace lisa 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 and stella go down to like where the dog got murdered by that flower bed and they're like we're gonna dig up what was in that flower bed and see if like a piece of (laughs) mrs thorwald is in there (laughs) because like well they also they assume she's buried down there and jimmy stewart calls thorwald and is like i know what you did (gasps) yes meet me at this meet me at this restaurant yeah to get him out of the apartment right so that he won't see them digging this up. But then Lisa, after they don't find anything, Lisa climbs the fire escape and breaks into his apartment. Which, and it, it's the only time that Jimmy Stewart seems interested in Grace Kelly. Yeah, because he's scared for her life. Yeah. Um, Because he, because the, the restaurant is conveniently right across the street. And there's this awesome, the way they built um the set in the soundstage is like, there's a little... Uh, alleyway that leads out onto onto the main street like the the um the city street and Mm -hmm. so there's things going on in the background like all the time like it's a hustle hustling and bustling and um there are it it only happens twice once stella is out there for some reason she's like she goes to try to look look at the delivery truck to get like where they're sending the trunk yeah, yeah 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 uh and she's like nah dog we we missed it um, and then the other time is when Mr. Thorwald goes to the restaurant that's just across the street. So through the alleyway, you can see across the street to this restaurant and he sits down conveniently at a table right next to the window so you can see him. And he notices that Thorwald is coming back. Like, so he's going to come back to his apartment. Um, so she, so Grace Kelly is essentially stuck in the apartment or, she gets stuck in the apartment because she doesn't listen to Jimmy and Stella telling her to like, come on, come on, come on, get out of there. Um, so, yeah, and so Jimmy Stewart calls the police before yeah. Thorwald is even back in the apartment and is like, someone's being, a woman is being attacked. And mm-hmm. I was like, you don't know Was that's going to happen. I don't know. I think that's a pretty smart call. Yeah. Like, like odds are he like Thorwald's going to find her. Odds are he's going to, because he murdered a woman, they suspect, 
um that he could be violent and like cops are gonna take a while to get there so why not why why not call early and just be like because they do get there pretty fast compared to when thorwald gets home like it's only like a minute later right that the the police show up yeah and so the police arrest grace kelly thorwald attacks her but she she also broke into his apartment and she steals the wedding ring like mrs thorwald's wedding ring because she's like no Mm -hmm. woman no married person is gonna just leave their wedding ring unless something like went down like she's not just visiting family he's lying and so the police arrest her and take her away and then jimmy stewart sends stella with all his money to bail her out right leaving himself but alone in a wheelchair (laughs) with no way to defend himself yep um but so when so and the problem with being alone is that thorwald figures out who it is like who that it's jimmy stewart that's been so there's a moment because she she flashes the ring at jimmy like she puts her hand behind her back because she's facing away from the window and she like wiggles her finger to show jimmy stewart like hey look i got her wedding ring which is like evidence proof whatever um but thorwald sees or notices her wiggling her finger so he's like who's he's he's like who's she trying to show this to and he looks across the way and sees jimmy stewart yeah and there's a scene where like not a scene a shot where like when this happened he looks up and we see him in the lens we see him like through the lens and it's yeah. it's like that's actually like what pretty spooky yeah that's that's probably the scariest scariest part because yeah. like the music pops into right um also i just want to say that during this like they subtly talk like they they just like are also talking about miss lonely heart who is this woman who lives on the basement like the garden unit who keeps yeah. like having like putting together dinners that are just for herself and no guy ever shows up and she's very yeah. lonely and stella a nurse just out of nowhere says oh look at all those pills she look at all those sleeping pills she has <laughs> doesn't seem yeah. good isn't like we should call someone don't they okay yeah way I after they- that like she yeah. calls him out and goes that's a lot of sleeping pills and he goes you can tell from this far away and she goes i'm a nurse um i i've taken those before essentially is what she says which whatever but like then the stuff with grace kelly's happening and then they look down and see she's about to take the pills and they're like oh oh no those we forgot this woman's gonna kill herself that we've been watching (laughs) we've been watching her like descent into a deep depression done nothing about it because we suck and we've been just like consumed with this asshole well, she doesn't, they don't care about their neighbors. Like the, right. And like the dog owner said. She just, it just blew my mind. She was like, oh, look at all those pills. And later like, oh my God, I didn't think that would happen. But she, <laughs> it, she ends up like hearing this piano music and not, not taking the pills. She hears like the music from the piano player. But yeah. it's just like a really small. Yeah, I do line. like, so I feel like the, the coolest plot lines are, or like the little side plot lines are Miss Lonely Heart is is pro- is the best one because mm-hmm. it's like terrifyingly sad uh because she also goes she gets a date at one point oh my god yeah that was so and fucked up yeah because so she finally she finally gets a guy to go out with her and they go like they go out they come back and um 
they, they seem to be having a great time and then they they like they like have a drink together and then he comes on to her he forces it, himself on her yeah he like assaults yeah. her yeah right and she thank god pushes him away slaps him in the face and escorts him out promptly uh and then she just starts crying again and it's like oh my god this is yeah so this and also everything we see we see through jimmy stewart's eyes so everything we see he has seen as well so he watches this woman get (laughs) assaulted and is just like oh guess she couldn't keep another one and i poor miss lonely heart yeah poor miss lonely heart it's like do something about it you insane (laughs) person and also just like because it's it is this like you have the single woman upstairs like the single hot woman who's like you know dancing you know yeah and like um entertaining all these not a lot of clothes then you have yeah then you have the like super depressed single woman who can't get a date and then you have the newlyweds and then you have the couple Mm -hmm. who has like sleep outside for no reason well then you don't really know what their relationship is like yeah um but then you have the couple who like the the husband murdered the wife because she was so annoying oh, and it's yeah, just like world. such this weird view of women of relationships and of relationships <laughs> where it's like these these women are like obsessed with with getting a guy and that's the only thing that's going to make them happy and then mm. these men that as soon as they are with a woman are like oh she just won't stop nagging me and i wrote in i wrote in my notes like i think that based on everything jimmy stewart aka jeff says i think he would be on thorwald's side (laughs) because all he does is talk about how annoying women are and how much they nag their husbands and why you shouldn't get married and there's even a part where he says like um stella says to him like oh i hope that she can um I hope her life gets better and she finds a man and he says so that he can, so that she can start ruining that man's life. Um, and, and so he taught, and so we see like Mrs. Thorwald, you know, nagging her husband and I'm like, by Jeff's standards, he's on board with, with the murder because yeah, he he's is like, also, I get it. He's like, yeah, women be annoying. Women, <laughs> women be, are be nagging. <laughs> um, I think the other plot, like subplot line, is that's cool. Is the the piano player? Because yeah. um, we just see him kind of go through the stages of like the creative process, almost. Right, and then he by the end he writes the song. He figures that's it out Lisa. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Which is and Miss Lonely pretty. Heart hears it and she goes up and says, "You have no idea how much this song helped me." And it yeah. seems like they're gonna get together, which like at least some justice for the best <laughs> character in this goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh she I'm honestly the the actor who plays Miss Lonely Heart is pretty great. She's like, great. She, she's really good at like especially because it's such a different way of acting, I feel like. It's almost like being in doing... a silent film. Yeah, yeah. That's what all of these people are doing and it's uh she's really good at it. I thought she did quite well. Yeah. So, okay, so Thorwald calls jeff's apartment and he answers thinking Mm -hmm. it's the police and then no one there's no like sound on the other side and he realizes it's thorwald which is also like a pretty spooky like yeah it's a lot of it's it's a lot of nothing happening 
but that makes this very nice build up at the end. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. fun. And yeah. like a lot of like loose ends, like all of the loose ends are tied up, you know, nothing's really, yeah. which is nice. And, sure. Um, But so Thorwald comes over. Jimmy Stewart's just alone in his apartment in his massive cast. And he grabs um, not a knife or saw that he told the police officer he has. And he owned, yeah, he owns. <laughs> he grabs his um, his flash, the flash bulbs. Yeah, his flash bulbs for for his camera and decides I'll just like kind of blind him, but not really. <laughs> yeah, temporary blindness to you know. I, I don't know what the end game was for for him. No, it wasn't smart. So he. No. I mean, it was probably the best option for what he had i guess maybe but so he starts like like putting the flash on like you know as thorwald comes near him and then they get into the struggle where thorwald's just like beating the shit out of him <laughs> yeah and then thorwald like is gonna throw him out the window and he's a he must be a strong boy because he uh he's a large he pretty man. much just whips <laughs> whips <laughs> jimmy stewart just just kind of Throws him out the window. Right. So he throws him out the window. This is the part with the really weird um, speed because it was like, as you see everyone run out to like. Because the cops arrived. Because the cop well. ar- cops arrived and the rest of the neighbors as they like run off to see Jimmy Stewart. They run in like this weird slow motion. Mm-hmm. But I didn't the care most, for. The, the worst shot in the movie <laughs> is jimmy stewart falling oh yeah like him actually falling because they he doesn't he doesn't fall he he like they did some sort of primitive like cg where like uh well it's not cg it's all like just like film on top of film kind of stuff um but they essentially just have this frozen frame of Jimmy Stewart, like ah, like in, like with an ah face, and and they just make it smaller to make it look like he's falling. It's really bad. It was 1950s. They were yeah. Trying I mean, you can't. But it, when that happened, though, I was like, <laughs> I like, I like burst out laughing. I was like, that was also because like, why not get a stunt double to just yeah, just make get that shot. I guess he wanted everything to be like real or whatever, but it's like. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, and they had the camera looking down, so yeah. like it's not like the 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 stunt double would have had to fall onto like actual ground or something, right? Like they wouldn't be able to like hide a mattress. Oh, stupid! I yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I I might have to go back and rewatch it because I didn't realize that shot was like that bad. It was crazy. But I should watch. I'll, I'll rewatch it. But it's the like the. So, like, that's kind of the end of the movie. I, like, essentially, the police come, arrest Thorwald. Um, they get, like, an ambulance for what's-his-face, for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And um, the funniest part is Stella says to the cop, like, what was in the flower beds? And, <laughs> or, like, no, she whispers it. We don't know what she says. And then he yells up to the other cop who's with Thorwald, like, what was in the flower beds? And then they tell them that something is, like, in a shoebox in the apartment. Yeah. And they say to Stella, like, do you want to see it? And she looks, like, really interested. And then she's like, no. <laughs> oh, and then they have to look at the East River because that's where, like, the body's cut up. Gotcha. Um, but 
the the kind of like the punchline at the very end of the movie is that uh we see a shot of um jeff and he's now he's just in two casts yeah he broke both legs <laughs> which is a which great is ending the, yeah just the best punishment for this idiot <laughs> truly it was great and then like that's where we see um miss lonely heart go to the piano player tell him how much the music yep. meant to him which is a really sweet moment and then we yeah. see so like the whole time we've seen Miss Torso, who's the dancer, have all of these like really hot guys like in and out of her apartment. And then she opens the door and it's like this guy in like a navy uniform and he's really short and she's just like, yeah. honey. He's he's this short, like little pudgy guy. He he kinda he reminded me of like a young uh Pat Noswell. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but that's <laughs> like her, her love. Yeah. And then we see the like the newlyweds, where she's like, if you would have told me you quit your job, we wouldn't have gotten married. <laughs> but that's the end of it. Yeah. I really liked in the, like, uh, flashbulb scene, the, I just really liked how they were, uh, they depicted the, um, like, it didn't look good for today's standards, but it was an interesting way of depicting the blindness of Mr. Thorwald when the flashes went off with the red like the burst of red and like he could see he could kind of see jimmy stewart but um it was like the whole room was red and then it would go back to darkness yeah it was was pretty interesting the way that entire scene is lit is really impressive it's so dark and like the shadows on everyone's faces are so cool and like they do a great job of making thorwald look terrified yeah and like I just, I felt like the lighting was so precise. Like, the it was so was scientific. Um, it oh. was only where they wanted it to be. Right. There was, let me see if I can, like, find it. But there's something I read about the the scene where they show the um, sunset or sunrise. And, like, the, the whole street looks, like, orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had to use, like, 2,000 light bulbs or something crazy like that. Like, probably Jesus. even more than that because they're lighting this whole studio. Like, it was just a soundstage. So, like, everything God. in there is lights. Like, nothing. Like, there's no natural light happening. It's all manufactured. Crazy. Like, you have to be Hitchcock to, to do this shit. <laughs> uh, do you think it's more lights than the, the Chicago, the backdrop? I don't... Uh... I don't know. That still <laughs> is crazy. I don't know if, like, I really expressed how nuts I thought that was. To, like, <laughs> to be like, you know, we'll just have a super high shutter speed and make people think they're having a stroke. Uh, <laughs> so that we can use this cool backdrop that probably wouldn't exist in 1920. It was pretty cool, though. It was It was cool, but I felt nuts watching that end scene. I was like, am I high? I know I'm not. <laughs> but yeah they uh i feel like they did um the like action scene at the end with all the flash bulbs well for the time like it obviously wasn't like a thriller to well thrillers are often not good these days but uh, like a good thriller these days i feel like can evoke more like actual thrill like actual like Oh my god, what is about to happen? Just by it just by the fact that it looks more realistic. Right. I also think that this didn't have the like 
suspense that is so you know synonymous with Hitchcock and with his mm-hmm. with his movies. Like the suspense wasn't there for me, and I don't know if it's because I've seen it a few times, but mm-hmm. also there's something about the fact that like we know we there was never a doubt in my mind of like Jimmy Stewart is crazy and doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, or and there was no doubt in my mind that uh, Jimmy Stewart was going to be okay. Honestly, at the end. Um, even yeah. if, when he was hanging from the, the thing, like the cops were already there. Um, so even if Jimmy Stewart wasn't going to be okay, like we knew that Thorwald was going to get his comeuppance at least, at, like, right. you know what I mean? When it made me wonder why, like, like why we didn't see the murder happen and not see who did it, mm-hmm. you know, and then it becomes like a, him trying to solve it. Mm-hmm sort of situation rather than, rather than like we know we know it's Thorwald and it's it's them trying to get evidence for something they already know happened yeah yeah but i i still feel like for for the for the time it was for the really time well done great, and yeah. still has like a lot of like we've been talking about like the production of it is pretty insane really cool technical stuff and like the just i mean just the directing of it is so cool and so purposeful which i don't think you can like I don't think you see as much in today's film, like such purposeful directing. Yeah. Um, There's another thing I read that like Hitchcock never went over to the other building. He always was in Jimmy Stewart's apartment directing because all the shots go out, like nothing comes in. So there's no reason for him to be over there because everything's coming from Jimmy Stewart's apartment. So all of the actors over there had little um, earpieces where Hitchcock nice. would just tell them what to do. I was going to I was I was about to say it was like Hitchcock just screaming. screaming. No, I think he was like a pretty reserved guy. Oh yeah. I don't I can't I don't see him as a like yelling at everyone sort of thing. Yeah. Not even in an angry way, just no, like yeah, having to like, get him, loud. I don't see him having the charisma to yell at people. <laughs> <laughs> um like <laughs> Thinking about like them with a micro- megaphone, yeah. just like okay, so you're gonna do. <laughs> um, the, uh, one thing before we before we get into the 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 rest of it, um, there is a call that so, uh, Jimmy Stewart calls, uh, or gets a call and he thinks it's the police, right? And but it's Thorwald, but then does he does he hang up and call the police? Yeah, because that's how they show up, right? No, I think he had already called them. So, like, I think... so. uh, That happens first. Yeah, so he called his friend, the detective, and left a message with a babysitter that I think was pretty racist. And... Yes. Yes, I I wrote that down. I was like, like, what the fuck? Also, only... Only a uh, non-white person in the film is on the phone, and it's a pretty racist interpretation. It's incredibly racist. I was like, I I told Tyler for these older movies, I wanted to have a segment that was like, are there any people of color in this movie? Because the answer <laughs> will always be no, because... <laughs> so, I was like, at the at the very beginning, I'm like, is Carl, is the, the, the bellboy, uh, is he... Maybe Mexican, and uh, by the end of it, I was like, no, I think he's just like Italian, like like yeah. Sicilian kind of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all. It's like the most white portrayal of New York City you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, an incredibly, incredibly offensive phone call. Um, yeah. Where he calls, but he calls uh, the detective and gets his babysitter, um, and it's it's. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty insane. Shocking. To watch. <laughs> uh, there, but there. Okay, so th- at some point he calls someone and he's 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 whispering on the phone well, and he's real he's real scared. The detective calls back. Okay, that's and it. he's like, "This happened. She's going to the um, she's you need to like I sent bail money, like blah blah blah. We have all this evidence. Is this like enough for you?" And the detective's like, "Don't worry about the bail. I'll get her out and we'll come to your apartment." And then he gets another call where he's kind of whispering and he's like, he thinks that it's a detective again. Again, they, there was no right. caller ID. <laughs> right. There was it's no the technology. It was the 50s. Yeah. And um, he thinks it's, he thinks it's a detective again. It's actually Thorwald. Um, right. And that's when he's like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, so the call with the detective where he's whispering is the most annoying scene I've ever watched in film. Whoa! He is whispering frantically, frantically whispering. So think like he's scared for his life, which you know I I get, but he's frantically trying to speak to this detective, but he's also whispering for no reason. He's in his apartment alone. He can see Thorwald is still across the way. Like, he hasn't made... Because, you know, he, like, walks around and makes his way over to Jimmy's apartment. And uh, so there's no reason to whisper. And it's, like, the scene is, like, minutes long of him speaking, just, like, rambling on and on about, like, what has happened since we last caught up with this detective. (laughs) And, like, uh, just, like, saying, and I think he's coming over to my apartment right now. And it's, it's, like, so aggressive but also quiet. And it's... I I couldn't. I was like, "Why is he whispering?" But is is it now? Hear me out. Is it as <laughs> annoying as in A Star Is Born when <laughs> when Lady Gaga improvises a song and a blackout drunk Bradley Cooper remembers all of it and then orchestrates an entire <laughs> an entire song for her to perform the next day in a different state? Is it as annoying as that? <laughs> you know what? I think it's. Uh... When she's that, that that would give it a run for its money. He is fully, sure. he is blackout drunk to the point where you know he's not going to even remember meeting this girl, but he can remember the entire song that she comes up with on the fly. <laughs> you really don't like that. Film, I dude. hate a star. Let's do an let's do a, like one time we just do a star is born so I can bitch about it and get it out of my system. <laughs> um. Is that anyway? Is that is that it? Yeah, that's rear window for you. That's that's the whole movie. It's the whole thing. So zero Oscars, and I I think zero nominations. Although I couldn't really get a hmm. confirmation. Yeah. Um. But Alfred Hitchcock never won an Oscar. That's crazy. He won it. He won a like an honorary Oscar. Hmm. Like a like a lifetime achievement. Right. Um, his movie, Rebecca, which I think is 1939, I think won Best Picture at the first ever Oscars. Okay. But that is when he was working with David Oselsnick, so Hitchcock did not get the award. Um, Oselsnick did. Jeez. Yeah. That's pretty rough. So, 
I guess he was justified in being such a meanie. <laughs> such a like sexist, um, you know, piece of garbage. Piece of crap, yeah. <laughs> I guess it was. If you don't win an Oscar, you can do that because yeah, you're... that's that's the rules. <laughs> Cut this out. <laughs> um. So, what? Now, so it didn't it didn't get any nominations or or any Oscars. But how many how many out of ten Oscars would you give it, Courtney? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's weird because I'm picking these, so like I should in theory like <laughs> it, but I just like I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe four out yeah. of ten Oscars. I, yeah, like I feel like I came out of it at like at the very end, um, thinking meh, like very very meh. But uh, talking about it now, I feel like a lot of the production is impressive enough to like be like, I'm glad I watched it, you know? I, it wasn't like t- a total bore, you know? So I'd give it like a six. Yeah, I think um, I think that's exactly what I would say, that it, it is technically impressive enough that I think it is worthwhile to watch. But is yeah. it as like entertaining and cool as other Hitchcock films? No. Yeah, it definitely, and even even plot wise, I do feel like it has a good, like it. God, it does drag in the middle, but I do feel like by the end, the character, like each of the characters, even the like Miss Lonely Hearts of them, feel like they had a complete arc, and like it's actually everything a is, satisfying arc. Everything is tied up, and I also think there's something really like. Like, it's a movie that, that really heavily relies on theme, which we didn't touch upon that much. But, like, the whole movie is about voyeurism and, like, looking into people's lives. And I think it mm-hmm. is, you know, about probably Hitchcock himself because he's a director and all he does mm-hmm. is watch people through a lens. Like, he's a voyeur and he makes these films for people to watch and they're voyeurs. And so it's this yeah. very weird, like... um, like Meta. Yeah, meta and, like, dualistic point of view about film mm-hmm. and about you know people who watch films and about people who make them that i i think is worthwhile i also think it's like um jeff kind of represents you know the audience in a typical hitchcock film in my opinion mm-hmm. you know he's watching these people and he's watching bad things happen to them and there's like almost nothing he can do about it and so i right. think that's kind of the like like thematic storyline behind it yeah. which i not, i find interesting yeah and jeff really doesn't have a lot of emotion about a lot of the neighbors either he's very separate until from the, them yeah until the end so yeah he he is it does feel like he's like an audience member yeah yeah so i don't know i i i think it's got that kind of it, it's got sort of that same slowness that all about eve had made the same i think year. that's oh yeah yeah so I think that's just like storytelling has evolved to a point now where it's so like we're so unforgiving mm-hmm. if a movie lulls ever. I was going to say, I think storytelling hasn't changed as much as audience attention spans have gotten way shorter, which is the other yeah. thing I wanted to mention to you. I don't remember if we talked about this in All About Eve. Um if we did, we can cut this out. But, like, the movies back in the day had um, title sequences in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Did we talk yeah. about this? 
Uh, no, not really. Um, but so like this has like a really cool title sequence where you like see like there's a bunch of really yeah. cool shots and you see all these things and that's because legally in like the like guilds you you have to be credited twice. So you in the olden days you'd have hmm. um you'd the opening title yeah the... opening credits and you'd have like the end credits. Now mm. audience attention spans are so short that you don't you can't really get away with that because no one wants to sit through it. So like yeah, there isn't can... those cool title sequences anymore like you had in this or I think you had in All About Eve. Instead like if it's a bigger film they'll do two at the end. So like actors you need to see their names like most of the top build people, you see their names twice. So you'll do two at the end. So like, I keep yeah. thinking about um, Beauty and the Beast because I remember we saw it and like, I was so blown away by the end um, credits because mm-hmm. you see yeah. all the characters in these really beautiful shots and then at the end you see them in like the scroll. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I really like opening credits. I do too. Um, and, and I do like the... We, like the end credits nowadays that are like the fancier one before just the scroll. They feel like a curtain call. Yeah, and and I really like that too. And if you put those at, like if you put those end credits, like the the more yeah the curtain call ones at the beginning, I feel like it would be very similar to to what opening credits are. Like they're yeah, but, but I think like that um, takes you out like in such a weird yeah. way but i do like what they did here where it was like um i don't know we'll have to watch the like the the opening credits to psycho are so cool and they're like this black and white like split because it's about like it's all about like split personalities and like the duality of like humans or whatever and yeah. the opening credits are like these like black and white lines that keep like breaking open and splitting and it's just really cool and it brings you into the world like stylistically that i think mm-hmm. is entertaining um yeah I miss that sort of stuff, like that sort of like art that was at the beginning of movies. Yeah. yeah. Or like in Legally Blonde where she's riding the bike down, down the street <laughs> and a perfect day's playing. Also a great opening credit scene. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the only the only director I can think of who does opening credits anymore is uh your your favorite, Quentin Tarantino. Oh. I thought you were gonna actually say someone I liked. <laughs> no. honestly but i wouldn't really, he, i wouldn't know because i don't watch those movies yeah I, like I, does, i'm trying to think he and he, he's credits. yeah he does opening credits for i i think all if not most of his movies so or i think about greece the opening credits it's like they're they're playing the song like greece is the word and it's all those like cartoons mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's like caricatures of all the care like of all the cast like that's so cool yeah. why don't we do that yeah. all the time yeah they do like uh the marvel movies always have like a a sequence at the end that are like the end credits but before the scroll right that like right. The, and the curtain call those feel kind. more and, curtain call which i think works really well for those like type of series yeah and they're usually really creative like yeah. um the the spider-man one i remember both the spider-man one are like um going through because he's he's in high school right so mm-hmm. it's like it's very like uh i don't know it's like a bunch of notebooks and like scribbles and stuff like that and like stickers and because uh, the second one is like far from home because they go off on a i saw trip, that one like with the class yeah and so like those end credits are like a plane fly you know it's, yeah yeah it, they get creative with them and like the the one for uh captain america the winter soldier is like a spy thriller kind of thing mm-hmm. like the the movie is 
sort of a spy thriller. And then the end credits, though, are like very reminiscent of like old timey opening credits for like spy thriller type movies. So those can be fun. And I think, um, yeah, the one for All About Eve was like the really old timey kind where it's like title cards, yes, essentially. Yeah, and it's just their names. So should we get into yeah, some reviews? Yes. Okay. The first two are both from Rotten Tomatoes audience. Okay. Reviews. So it's from John K. Very slow semi-thriller. After being dragged around for two hours, we find that the guy we all suspected to be the killer, drumroll please, really is the killer. I think they should do this movie, do to this movie what Thorwald did to his wife. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> drumroll please is, is very funny. Okay, um, Ari. I have seen some pretty bad movies, but this one takes the cake. Maybe wow. stuff like this was entertaining half a century ago, but now with the thousands upon thousands of movies that exist, this one is boring, poorly written, and poorly acted. If you're under the age of 40, do not watch. You've been warned. <laughs> and that was, uh, wait, so that one was from 2015. Yeah. So quite recent. And did you get when uh, John Kay wrote his review? I think it was also for, like fairly recent. Okay. I forgot. To These are great. Um, okay. They're so funny. <laughs> What's annoying, though, about the audience reviews is you can't, like, search them by star number, like, by how many stars they got. So I just have to go through and, like, re like look for the whatever. Okay. Oh. So here's an actual Gross. review by Michael Scragow of The New Yorker, which is, like, a legit. The New Yorker is legit, yep. guys. <laughs> okay. It's one of Alfred Hitchcock's inspired audience participation films. Watching it, you feel titillated, horrified, and ultimately purged. The story is set mainly in a Greenwich Village apartment with a view into the rooms across the court courtyard, but in Hitchcock's hands, the small space contains multitudes. Here, he pushed the subjective camera technique, putting the audience into the minds of his characters to new heights. It's an astonishing visual and psychological coup. Hitchcock's brilliant satire of cramped city life and his masterly evocation of urban voyeurism suddenly generate primal fear and profound insight. Stewart plays a formidable capacity for prurient interest in self-loathing, and everything Kelly does is proper yet enchantingly sexual. It's her most charged and charming performance ever, released in 1954. I don't disagree. Yeah, me neither. God, wouldn't it be cool to be able to like write well? Like this, this review is so well written. It is really well written. I have a master's degree in writing. Yeah. As of last week. Yeah, I don't. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was just trying to force you into congratulating me. <laughs> Aren't you surprised I waited this long to bring it up? <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree with Michael. I don't either. Um, so next week, what are we watching? We're gonna watch Sense and Sensibility. Oh snap! Nineteen ninety five. Okay, so a younger one. We're, we're, we're still yeah, on that. we're still on that. Um, Nineteen ninety five, Jane Austen movie, yep. written. The script is by Emma Thompson, who is, and she's also in it, and she's amazing. Wait. Oh, sorry. Never mind. What? I got people mixed up. Who did you think it was? Uh, 
I thought it was Tessa Thompson. I was thinking Tessa Thompson. Okay. No, Emma Thompson. <laughs> it's Kate Winslet, yeah. Emma Thompson, Hugh Laurie, um, yeah. House, uh, mm-hmm. and Hugh Grant. Oh, a lot of Hughes. Lots of Hughes. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Ooh. Yeah. That's my dude. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I. It's great. It's very, very well written. Yeah. I was going to say, Tessa Thompson would have been like five years old. <laughs> who is, do I know who that is? Yeah, Tessa Thompson. She's, uh, ba, ba, ba. you seen Creed? She's the girlfriend. Uh, you seen Thor Ragnarok? Of She's course the I know Valkyrie. Um, did you see Sorry to Bother You? She's yes. also the girlfriend. Okay. She's That's the girlfriend. What, yeah. That movie is great. And I've seen three-fourths of it. And, so I, oh, well, then you're missing the bananas part of it. Yeah, I've, so I've heard. Wait, you, so you never got to like the actual like twist of it? Nope. Tyler, No, you will lose your mind. I, I know about it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone here. I don't here, want to spoil but it either, but I also, but like watch it. It's really great. Um, it's on Hulu. Is it? I don't, yeah, I actually don't I'm, know if I can watch it again, but I, <laughs> I saw it. I did this like film camp in Chicago last year where I was like one of the, like I helped teach um, high schoolers screenwriting. Cool. And so, yeah. And so we were watching, we were going to watch one movie and then we couldn't, we were going to watch like Rashomon or something. And then we couldn't <laughs> get it to work. So the professor I was working with was like, oh, we'll just watch Sorry to Bother You. I've never seen it. And we're with four, 14 to 18 year olds. <laughs> and this movie is, it's really great and it's really interesting. And it's like one of the most unique things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it goes so bananas. In so- and watching it with a bunch of 14 year olds, I was like, holy shit, I'm not old enough for this. I don't know. Like, yeah, it was I'm, crazy. I'm sure they not only didn't understand it. Like, I think they Like the guy yeah, from Lady Bird. They didn't I, understand I, it. I think they did. I think they liked it a lot, but I was oh, really? shocked. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good good on them for being smart kids. They were really smart and great. Nice. Yeah. I I was not smart and great at that age. Yeah. It was <laughs> that movie's bananas though. That was like a movie that yeah. really like like six months later it's I was still like, I wanna talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so what else have you been watching these days, Gordon? Oh boy. I I don't know. I started rewatching um, Charmed, which is bad. The old Charmed, but the old Charmed. Yeah. But I like it. I don't. Uh, the old Charmed isn't terrible. It's not the ter- new Charmed is terrible. I haven't seen the new Charmed. I I only it's care about the old one. Super garbage. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So I've been watching the old one. Have you seen it? Not a lot of it. Okay. H- uh, Hannah watched it, and so I watched okay. it via her a little bit. I don't know. It's like one of those shows that I watched when I was in middle school, so it's very comforting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just started rewatching it instead of, and I'm also watching the um, politician season one. Yeah. Like you, okay, I watched season one. I have not watched season two. My sister loved season one, and so I was like, "Fine, I will watch it." It is confusing to me. It's very. I've I've only seen like the first and second episode. It's very stylized. In a weird yes, way. I. I don't know how to feel about any of the characters. They're all, they all seem terrible. I don't think we're supposed They're, to like any of them. Like even the main character who had, who goes through something 
terrible at the beginning mm-hmm. and you feel very bad for him uh ben platt's character yeah um and he's so sympathetic at the beginning and by the end of the season i considered him like the villain <laughs> That's it's a really fun, weird show yeah i yeah it just it just like like it left me with a weird feeling at the end i couldn't like place it it was odd which is interesting. I mean, that's yeah. I will, you know, I'll probably have finished the first season by the next time we record. Okay, maybe. Um, I just started. Um, I haven't watched a lot of movies. I mean, I watched Rear Window. Oh, I watched Whiplash again with my roommate. Oh, I he need to put that it. on the list. We have to watch the it. list. Yeah. Okay. Um, that movie. I mean. We'll talk about it when when we do it I on love the podcast. That movie that, that could go into my top four. I I just can't get over the 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 stuff they get wrong. Oh, because you're a drummer. Not only just the the just the music stuff in general. Like there there's a it's I mean, it's Damien Chazelle. It's the La La Land guy who wrote and directed it. But like there's a shot of people tapping their feet and they're not in time. They're not together. That's the actor's fault, though. What do you say? But, like, as the director, just, like, all right, guys, try again. <laughs> Didn't you know he go I mean? to, like, Juilliard? Chazelle? Yeah, I think he did. For I think he was a percussionist. I think he, that... I think he was. I, I mean, I should look it up. I don't think he graduated. <laughs> wow. Are we the same person? <laughs> that would suck, because... He's way more successful than me, but um, he's also much older than you. True. Oh, I mean, he went to Princeton, and oh no, he went to Harvard, Princeton High School. But I thought he went for music at one point. Okay, it's just like I really couldn't get out. There's like one part where he's like he's watching an old video of himself playing drums as like a child, like a little little kid. And he's like, show me his dad on the other end of the video camera. He's like, show me your paradiddles. And, and he just starts playing a beat. It's like, that's, that's not a paradiddle. That's not what that is. He's a child. But I don't think it's like, I don't know. It was, and, the, and I mean, that's just like one of the, there's like a lot of things in it. It's shot so beautifully though. And edited really well. Yeah, Jesus. But, um. I also don't like that it glorifies abusive teaching styles. Do you think it does? I mean, we'll get into it, but I, but like, I think it does at the end. I mean, I think he, like they, because, uh, uh, JK Simmons character, he, he's so met, right. Cause he like, he shows him up at the end. I mean, spoiler yeah, alert. but then JK Sim, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then JK Simmons is like, um, he's, he's pit like, so he, JK Simmons betrays, uh, Miles. Mm-hmm. and is like i'm gonna we're gonna play a song that you don't know so that you intend like i'm intentionally gonna make you fucking bad, with you yeah. to make you look bad and then miles character whose name i forget uh shows him up by like playing this incredible drum solo right at the like after the end and then he's like and he's playing whiplash he's playing the song that he knows but he's like making it he's like making it his own playing mm-hmm. like different things um and and then J.K. Simmons is like, he's like, he, he, he's like, okay, I, I did it. I pushed him past the point. Cause they have this little conversation in the bar about like, 
if if no one pushed uh that one famous guy that, but okay uh, I, who got the symbol thrown at him to be fair i haven't like, seen it in a while but like it ends with that drum solo right so we never see the fallout from it true so it is it is like him being like i don't think jk Simmons' intention was ever for him to be pushed to the point where he like disrespected this guy or didn't follow him like i think he wanted him to be in like in submission with him and by him yeah. not doing that like he wins in the end because he, well, he makes jk simmons look bad right but but there's a point during the the drum solo where he is making jk simmons look bad where jk simmons accepts that and then he like he like cues the band in to start playing whiplash mm-hmm like he he he's like okay fine, but that's not him being right. And he's that's got a like him, but he's got a smile on his face. But that's him giving in to Miles Teller. I don't think it's my like. Yeah, I don't think it's just. But I, also because Miles Teller like leaves school and is basically like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this. I know, but he comes back for this, and this is like the final and then thing shows that up, makes yeah, and him then the shows great. Up J.K. Simmons and makes J.K. Simmons look stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I still like. I still think J.K. Simmons, I feel like, because of that, just because of that smile, just because of the smile at the end where he's like, he's like, yeah, we, you're, you're one of the greats now. Like, you, you but did I feel it. Like you that's passed you, that point of like. I feel like that's you reading that into it because I could take it as, yep, he showed me. Or like being yeah. a little proud of like, uh, yeah, he showed no, me. No, that's mu- what I, I'm saying. It's like, I think he's like, proud. He was right because I don't think he was. I think if he was right, then Miles Teller would have just like done what he was told. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. We're going to cut all of this out. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I mean, we can get more into it when uh, we, do the ep- <laughs> we do the episode on Whiplash. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, Courtney, if people wanted to follow you on the internet, where would they go? Uh, at Cordell Hall on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a neat thing. People should start doing letterbox more i agree I we should letterbox. i started doing letterbox that. sponsor us <laughs> be our be our first sponsor because <laughs> that's who we need because <laughs> that like movie buffs who listen to this well one day <laughs> that's what they need is an advertisement for letterbox that they that already, they're have. already doing <laughs> yeah um and then i am at tyler's new groove on both twitter and instagram uh, if you want to stay up with or up to date on the podcast, we're at we're on Twitter and Instagram at Film School FM. Woo. Yeah, and that's and that's that. We'll see you next week for uh, uh, Sense and Sensibility, <laughs> right? You forgot. Do we know? Oh, 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 oh. Do we know where that's streaming? If any, probably nowhere. I didn't look it up. Okay, so it is streaming on Stars. Uh, so if you have Stars, you can you can watch it there. And it is on, so it's uh, DirecTV. So, like, if you have a cable subscription through DirecTV, you can log into their app. Ooh, and it's I on do. There. Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> so, you'll be watching it on DirecTV. I will be watching it by starting a seven day free trial of Stars and then immediately canceling it after I watch. You don't want Stars? I don't want Stars. Um,. I think I've watched a show on Stars. I don't think I have. Was that where American Gods was, or was that? Know. There's Stars, and then there's the other S one. Showtime. Showtime, yeah. Oh, 
American Gods might have been on Showtime. I forget. No, it was Stars. It was definitely Stars. I'm really glad so, you figured that out. I watched one season of American Gods on Stars. There it is. I hope you're able to get that free trial still. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I used I used my. Oh man, I played my card. That's too bad. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll have to rent again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Who cares? All right, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. And, and cut. 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 And, and cut. cut. We did it. Cut.